0: Hello, everyone. This is Mike Saddam, and welcome back to the Crucial Talks podcast, where we believe if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. One of the fundamentals of this podcast is appreciative inquiry as a way to work toward excellence in our systems. It's a, it's a way that we can actually look at people and human behavior and understand how powerful our communication, the conversations we have truly are. We also talk a lot about this power of communication and how people, as social storytelling animals, can use communication to excel. And today, we get a chance to continue down that road. A few weeks ago, we had the chance to talk with Sherry Torres, the co-author of Conversations Worth Having. You can listen to that awesome interview in episode 46. Today, we get the opportunity to talk with the other half of that dynamic duo, Jackie Stavros. Jackie is doing some great work, and I really, really appreciate the fact that she's on the podcast because, besides co authoring one of the best books on communication I've ever read, she has been really spent much of her professional life focused on strength based approaches to human behavior. In fact, one of the coolest things she has done is developed strength based strategies that organizations can use to plan their future. This is known as SOAR for Strengths, Opportunities, Aspirations, and Results. It really is truly a pleasure to welcome Jackie Stavros to the Crucial Talks podcast. Hi Jackie, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing awesome, and thanks for having me, Mike, and for all your support and excitement around Appreciative Inquiry.
0: It's really a great, great theory and great tool that that works, that's why I love it so much. So before we dive into conversations worth having, Can you tell us a little bit about you and how you developed a passion to help others discover their strengths, identify opportunities, and create plans so that they can reach meaningful results with positive change?
1: Sure. A little bit about my background is um, I'm from Brighton, Michigan, Midwest. I'm located in the heart of the automotive, high tech industry. So my background was um, growing up in high tech and automotive. I was um, a director of marketing, branding, international development. So I was always looking for what was going on right in the companies because you got to go out there and 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 market it. And um, through my career, I really began to learn about the importance of the human side of organizations and my organism my career took a turn in 1995 when i met david cooper writer who created appreciative inquiry and to me it just resonated within my dna of in 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 life with um, your friends your family your furry animals um, the organizations and the communities that how do you look for that what is going on right and what could be the best in people's and teams so when I learned about appreciative inquiry, I enrolled in a doctorate program at Case and had the um, opportunity to study for many years and do my research under David. And that's where the SOAR framework emerged strengths, opportunities, aspirations, and results. And thinking that, you know, I grew up learning SWOT, which is strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And a lot of times we got stuck in the weaknesses and the threats, and the conversations were deficit spirals. and and how did we get out of there? How do we get out of there and look for dynamic capabilities and, and upward spirals um, for what was going on well? So my journey of appreciative inquiry probably started in my early days of always looking for what was going on right and realizing that there was a theory of research and a science behind it when I landed at Case Western Reserve in the doctorate program. And that was about 1995. So ever since then, my whole life has been committed to getting the word of appreciative inquiry out there through various frameworks. And probably our newest work with Sherry is through our conversations. People have conversations in their minds and, and with other people. And that's the heart of how you can change a life, one conversation at a time.
0: Well, what I love about what you're doing and where you came from is the fact that you you are not only an academic, but you come from marketing and branding. You come from the private industry. You come from a place where you understand that companies are made up of people, that they're human-based systems, and that this is where the strength is. And that's what I love about what you're doing because we—I think we had this conversation uh, on the phone where I use the term "pracademic," where you're a practical, yeah. uh, applying academic where. You know that stuff works because you research it, but you also know this stuff works because you have done it. And that is what is so great about having you having you on the Crucial talks podcast because we get to have this conversation that goes beyond this focus on weakness where a lot of these organizations are today um, and, and moving toward the strength-based positive approach through conversations. So can you tell us a little bit about why conversations, are really the starting point to this positive change you talk about.
1: So why are conversations important? Well, we're having a conversation right now and it's pretty much the primary way you interact with people. Um, As I said earlier, you have conversations in your mind, you have conversations with others. Imagine trying to lead a team, a department, with just one other person with no words, no conversation. It's how we get things done is um, through our conversations and organizations. You will help people thrive or flourish through your words, or you will help them flounder and have deficit spirals through their years where they're not productive. So the key is to have appreciative inquiry-based conversations so that people will flourish and thrive and be productive and meaningful in their work.
0: Well, so if we're talking about conversations and why they're so important, we know that people are social animals, but we also know that people are different than every other social animal on the planet because of our storytelling ability. So do you have any stories about your experience using conversations to actually change behavior? Yes, um, I
1: have. Personal stories, I have professional stories, but let me start with um, a professional story. I was asked to go to the Midwest part of Michigan, and there was a plant that was on the shutdown list. And my job was to go in there and help them come up with a three year strategy to close down the plant. So imagine walking into a group of about 150 people from the plant, all the stakeholders were there in this room. And the bad news was the plant was going to shut down. The good news is we get to come up with the plan of how to shut this down within three years so that you're all taken care of. And I remember um, through the practices of our book of positive framing and genitive questions, I said, you know, we have a challenge here. We have to come up with how to shut down this plant. And I said, you know, what if we could keep this plant open? And they all thought I was crazy. And they said, it's not possible. There's a shutdown list and there's the um, plants that will continue. And I said, but what if we created a revitalization list? Well, there's no such thing. I said, I know, but what if we created this possibility, all agreeing that if our plan doesn't work to keep the plant open in three years, we agree we're going to lose our jobs. So, um, The bad news becomes now losing the job. The good news is what if we could have this revitalization list? And we spent two days looking at the strengths of the plant, the innovations, what they were doing well, what was possible, what could be their aspirations. And we brought a plan to the holding company of how to revitalize this plant, knowing that by year two, we will begin to do the layoffs if we can't turn it around. Within eighteen to twenty-four months, that we were going to lose our jobs, and the holding company took the plan. Plant's never shut down. Plant was open. It was revitalized, and you know, I was just the facilitator through positive framing and generative questions, helped them come up with a plan to keep their plant open.
0: So let me ask you this then, and uh, I think I did this with Sherry too, but I, uh, sometimes I ask a question I already know the answer to. So, <laughs> so the That's holding okay. company stayed open. They took your plan and then after implementing it, it stayed open. So let me ask you, did it take new technology to keep the plant open or did it take more money or did it take new, I don't know, new technologies, more people, or did it just take that conversation?
1: Um, It took a conversation to come up with a strategic plan for the plant and the initiatives that they would do. A lot of them was around um process structure systems and how they could be more productive. And that is what kept the plant open. And, you know, this is over a decade ago, but they did it. And that's probably the most important thing is um they came up with initiatives and then the holding company approved the plan, knowing that if they couldn't achieve the results that they were looking for the plant would be shut down. So there was a list before going to your plant is open to shutting down, there's a revitalization opportunity to revitalize the plant. And that's what happened is through their conversations, they had initiatives and they and they actually addressed what would have to change in processes systems and the way they worked, and what had to be done to turn around the plant so that it did not close down and that it would stay open. So if there was new technologies, I don't know that part, but I do know that plan was approved to see if they could stay open. And they did.
0: So it really was the change. The the start of that change really happened from that first question you asked, Asked you didn't just say, Hey, what, what do we need to do to shut down this plant? You asked, you, you flipped the question, you changed the frame, you changed the lens people were using to view this issue from a negative to a positive and is that correct did you is that how that kind of that change started with the really the first words that came out of your mouth
1: yeah if you think about um in the conversations we're having book we talk about the flipping process and i knew i was going into a situation i knew what my objective was and i thought you know what's the problem um, the plant's gonna close down and we have to come up with a strategy of how we're going to shut this plan down. And so it would be the least pain as possible. But then think about it. The positive opposite is, what's the opposite? What's the thing they want? Well, they want the plant to stay open. That was, um, it was easy, but the hardest part, the challenge was, well, how do we frame this? So the holding company, when they're expecting a shutdown plan, and we came up with a revitalization plan. The bottom line is, if we came up with a three-year shutdown plan, we would lose our jobs. And with the revitalization plan, if we could meet these results, then we could keep our jobs. And if we couldn't, we're all going to lose our jobs anyways. So we framed it as a revitalization of the plant and what it would take and what would be the initiatives. And they came up with what they could do. And that was the power of um, framing a conversation worth having. and we and they came up with the plan. I just helped to facilitate it. And then the plant presented it to the holding company who said, "All right, let's give them a shot here."
0: by using conversation as the framework for change, and by using really the structure of those conversations and the the base, the the foundation of those conversations coming from appreciative inquiry, I think everybody would really benefit, even though they've heard me talk about it a lot and they they got to hear Sherry talk about it a lot. But from you, from your perspective, I was hoping you could define appreciative inquiry for us from what it means to you and and what it means to how we how we use conversation as a framework for change.
1: Yes, that's great. So you hear lots of definitions of appreciative inquiry out there, and you folks could go. Do the Google thing and Google it. Um, but my definition is appreciative inquiry is a very um, intentional, collaborative discovery of what gives life to a human system when they are most alive. Um, so, it, for me, appreciative inquiry is all about finding out what is going on right, what is possible, what might what might be and that you're looking for the best in people in teams the organizations and the relevant community around them so that's the meaning of appreciative inquiry some of your listeners who are who know about appreciative inquiry hear this thing called the 5D cycle and that's actually a method to deal with larger systems like the plan i went into is we first did a discovery Then we dreamed about the possibility of what a revitalized plant would look like. That's the second D of dream. And then we actually designed initiatives. We designed what needed to be done to achieve our dream, to be on this revitalization list and have this plant flourishing. And then the fourth D was um, deliver. How are we gonna deliver this? So we took, so it was a day and a half that I had with these people. that we did a discovery together we dreamed we designed and we delivered a strategic plan to revitalize the plant and that's the method of appreciative inquiry um, sometimes it's called the 4d cycle sometimes it's the 5d that 50 is really the first D is where you define that you're going to use appreciative inquiry and who are you going to invite into the conversation and how are you going to get this done
0: and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, but appreciative inquiry is a little different than what a lot of other agents or a lot of other departments do or a lot of other organizations do, because a lot of times these organizations, right, they have an issue and their, their first step is really they think before they can do anything, they sit around and talk about all the problems they're trying to fix. And for me, what I see the differences between appreciative inquiry and other ways of looking at organizations and looking at systems is it doesn't just look at those problems first before it starts to try to do something. Appreciative inquiry understands that it really are, it really does start with those questions we ask. The change can actually start right then as opposed to the other way, which is we're trying to define all these negatives.
1: So whether yes, that's a really good, because think about that. If, Appreciative inquiry is the discovery of the best in people, organizations, and communities. And you inquire into not what is wrong, but you inquire into, what there's got to be something going on, right? What are the strengths? What are the possibilities? And so the inquiry is very generative, and they call it life-giving, and it moves in the other direction. Most people have a problem. They want to get fixed, and they become really good at problem-solving. Appreciative inquiry invites you to explore through discovery, dream, design, and destiny to create solutions. It's very um, solution and results focused of what could be. And that's, um, that's why it's so, it's just such a generative way. And generative is that all voices are heard and there's like a deeper understanding of the situation and saying, well, you know, what if we try this and what if we do this? And it makes room for, diverse and different perspectives and that's why appreciative inquiry one of its other principles is bringing in the whole system or representation of the system so that all perspectives are heard heard to create a solution to move forward
0: now we're talking a lot about systems and you told a story about an organization and i know a lot of people are listening to this thinking how can it actually work outside of a company, outside of a business? And so I was hoping, and I know you have some personal stories about how these concepts, these conversations worth having, appreciative inquiry, how can it actually help us in our day-to-day life, whether it's our families, whether it's our communities, church, you name it, if it's a people-based system these, these frameworks, these ideas can work. Do you have any examples of how it could work for us personally outside of maybe our, our company?
1: Absolutely. So, um, a system can be of one, a system could be me in my own head. A system could be a hundred people in an organization, the human systems, the story I can share. And we do talk about it. Um, in the last chapter of our book is my husband, Paul was diagnosed with a stage four cancer so when you hear the word stage four cancer, um, you know, you think there is no there is no cure. It's a stage four. And I remember being in the room with the doctor when she told us the news, and he was very, very ill at the time. And she said, for lymphoma stage four, we actually have a we have a 50-50 chance there is a cure. It's this new chemo cocktail, and she's explaining it. And so, you know, my mind was trying to um, catch up with the doctor because my mind went bad, it went stage four, you're gonna die, there is no cure. She said, today, there are stage four cancers that have cures. And she said, and it's a 50-50 chance. I really wanted her to give me like an 80-20 chance, but she didn't. Um, she said, it's a 50-50 chance. So I remember um, learning in my mind to have that conversation and, say, and living with the the opportunity versus there's a 50% chance he's gonna die. And I drove home that evening thinking, now how do I tell my my two young children their dad is going to be gone for another month and why he's not coming home? And when I got home that night, the first question that came out of my daughter's mouth was, is dad going to die? Um, in my mind, I'm like, I know what she wanted me to say is, no, honey, he's going to be fine. Um, but I didn't want to sugarcoat it. And I just looked at her and I said, Allie? we're all going to die. I'm just not sure when. And, and then you begin the flipping process. And then I said, what we want is for dad to live and how we're going to get him through. And we began to talk about dad's strengths and why he can get through this. And and so it was a very generative conversation, even though she wanted me to say he was going to be okay. And he is okay. Um, it's five years later, and he's been through remission. And it is a 50-50 chance. And sometimes things don't work out, but it's how you get through the difficult situation. That's what appreciative inquiry has taught even my daughter and myself.
0: Wow, that is a pretty powerful story. And what I get from that is it really goes back to the things I talk about quite a bit about human beings and about how powerful we are together and how we can get through some some bad times together. And in fact, not only get through bad times together, but come become stronger through that process, all based on what lens we look through and how we frame the situation we're dealing with. I don't care if it's boot camp from a, for a kid that just came out of high school and is now going to the Marines or a family having to deal with something as awful as this. If we do it together and we structure those conversations in a way that lets us work together, we can actually take a, a really bad situation and deal with it in a positive way. Is that Does that uh, kind of sound like what we're talking about?
1: Yeah, let me offer um, two perspectives. The first is appreciative inquiry is not about turning a blind eye to anything, um, but it goes beyond seeing the problem. And inviting an appreciative inquiry to searching for what is going on right and what is possible. If you look up in the dictionary, the word appreciative means adding value and being grateful. So that's what I did with my daughter, um, being grateful, adding value to kind of a devaluing situation. Inquiry is very powerful. That's about curiosity, wondering, and searching for what gives life. And so when you put Appreciative inquiry together. Appreciative inquiry is an approach that values all voices, opens our worlds to new possibility, um, challenges the status quo to inspire um, hope, innovation, options. We needed options to move forward. And that's what AI does.
0: So it is about really the fact that we're strong together. It's not going to change that we have a challenge and it's not going to change no. that we have this uphill climb, but it does change the lens we look through by looking for options by by looking for positive ways that we can have change. It's not going to change the situation, and it doesn't it's not just a hey, everything is great, everything will be fine it's It still is rooted in realities, but it's rooted in realities that we can construct that we can create so I know a lot of people might be listening thinking, well, that that sounds good, but how do I know it actually works? I like, I, I've heard two stories. That's great. I heard the story about a company in the Midwest. I heard a story about a family that actually came through this and was were able to have these great conversations. So for any skeptics out there, for people that are like, yeah, that sounds too good to be true, is there any science behind it? Is there any research behind these ideas and do they work?
1: Yes, there is. So um, two things happened in the writing of this book. Sherry and I had begun the writing of what we had called the second edition of Dynamic Relationships about the time my husband got sick. So we had to put the book on hold, which was good because we learned a lot and then got back to writing the book when he was well. Um, We do say in the book that you have the Ain't It Awful conversations. Trust me, I have had the Ain't It Awful conversations. But once you understand appreciative inquiry and the science behind it, there's like what I call a switching lane. And the science behind it, we actually, um, we did not plan this, but we have chapter six in the book and we titled it, It's Not Magic, It's Science. And it was written because um, we decided, well, there are skeptics out there. And Sherry and I, over the last 20 years in our research, there is... um, the new science by Meg Wheatley, which isn't quite the new science anymore, but there's a the new science about you know what's going on inside the human brain and 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 the body, and that um, the HeartMath Institute is out there. Um, Cooper writers, David Cooper writers work on positive image, positive action. That is all about how your brain works and the chemistry and and right brain and left brain, and that if you would focus more on. The well being of a person or the well being of students through the field of positive psychology, the academics follow. So, students who are focusing on well being and character building actually end up doing academically well versus pushing the academics and then forgetting the character, and then everything begins to slip. So, there is the science of positive psychology in there and the new science that talks about, you know research on high performing teams if you want a high performing team you need six positives to one to one negative the dialogue that has to go on low performing teams are because there's one positive comment to the 20 negative so there is research by Losada and Emily Hefey's research that talks about high performing teams. And there's research for those of you listening that are married, for every negative conversation you have with your spouse or significant other, it takes six positives. I'm sorry, six positives to get you out of that negative situation. So the research is out there of the positivity ratios and Barbara Fredrickson's work um, that is out there and the science of well-being so that this is healthy and and you can't do this 100% of the time. So when we looked at the ratios that were out there sharing, I looked at several studies. We came up with um, the 80-20 rule that you hear in business a lot and that imagine if you could um, frame 80% of your time to have yourself in the well-being positive conversations to the 20%. And so there's a lot of scientific evidence that this works and that you stay healthier. And that's what's really important is that it's not just good for your relationships, but it's good for your health.
0: It really is scientifically backed. And so what we've had a chance to talk about today, not only is it an experience that you've had, you've had it in your family, you've had it in organizations that you've consulted with, you've also looked into the research behind it, and everything points to these conversations worth having based on the concepts and principles of appreciative inquiry that it does work, that conversations truly can be, can be changing. They can change how we look at a situation. So it changes how we deal with a situation. And I really, I'm, I just have one, I guess one further question to ask. We've talked about it in smaller groups like families. We've talked about it and at a systems level, Quickly, what about these conversations we have with ourselves? You know, somebody like me that wants to venture out and start doing more appreciative inquiry or wants to do their own podcast or wants to start a new business. But we're having these conversations every second of the day with ourselves. Does this work internally uh, for ourselves?
1: Yeah, there's, um, I'll go back to that 4G cycle. If I could paraphrase it to you, to each of your listeners, Um, If you take time to discover your dreams, then destiny is yours to design. If you take time, you got to find that time to discover your dreams, then destiny is yours to design. And, you know, I believe in the power of positive, for some people, it's positive prayer, positive thinking, and that the conversations you have is what will create your next moment. And start thinking of what you want instead of what you don't want and what you hope to happen versus what you don't want to happen. So I would challenge you to put a dose of appreciative inquiry into the conversations into your mind and with your conversations with others.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Because I think if we start doing that a little bit every day, we can actually build a sort of a momentum in the conversations we have with other people with ourselves that can, that can have this positive impact. So I just wanted to thank you so much for talking with us, Jackie, this has been an awesome conversation. I absolutely loved it because you know, I'm a strong proponent of this positive way of thinking strength-based approaches to change appreciative inquiry is, is really just a great tool people can use with some really awesome scientifically based principles And again, I'm a totally a fan of this book because it's called conversations worth having using appreciative inquiry to fuel productive and meaningful engagement. And the reason I love it so much for everybody out there listening is a fact that you get the book, you use the principles in it. It really, it doesn't cost you a dime to start change. You don't have to buy new technology. You don't have to throw a bunch of money after something. You can just get the book and start using this stuff today. It really is a valuable investment for anybody where I know, based on everything, everybody I've talked to, not just Jackie and Jerry and people doing appreciative inquiry, but all the other guests that have no idea about this stuff, what they're saying still fits with all of this. So I really, really, really enjoyed this conversation. And I cannot tell you enough that this book is worth getting and go to, conversations worth having dot today that's conversations worth having dot today and you can get more information about it take a look at it and then decide if it works for you and i really think if you get the book you're going to be pleasantly surprised that you can start using the tools today right now with yourself with your family with your company and have a positive impact so jackie if anybody needs to get a hold of you and I'm sure they will because they probably have a lot more questions. What's the best way they can get a hold of you and what can you offer people that do reach out to you?
1: So two things. Um if you if you would like to get a hold of me, I'm very responsive. Just send an email to Jackie, J A C K I E at Conversations Worth Having Today. And that's conversations with an S worth having dot today. And just let me know what you need. If you go to the book's website and that's www conversations worth having today we have an executive summary of the book you can download that for free everything a lot of the principles and practices we talked about are on our on our website and you can download for free the um, preface and the introduction to the book and the introduction is by david cooper writer and he just really pulled through the main message and how this book is structured so that stuff you can get from free just go visit our website
0: Well, thank you so much. And I hope everyone got a lot out of this episode because I know I did. And you know, I believe that appreciative inquiry can get us beyond average to excellence and that people are social storing animals, which is why we're so successful. So there are other episodes you can listen to. First, I would suggest you listen to episode 46 with Sherry Torres. Like I said, the dynamic duo here. So listen to this one and then listen to the one with Sherry Torres and You'll be able to put it all together. Another episode is episode 39 where I talk about AI and even episode 22 on capacity building. Those would both be really good ones to listen to. And if you have a chance, I'd love for you to visit the Crucial Talks website at www.crucialtalks.com and connect with me via email or on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter, because I really believe the conversations we have can have a positive impact on everything we do. So if you need anything from me, please feel free to reach out. Also, if you could do me a favor and share the podcast, leave a review and rate it, I would greatly appreciate it because this will help other people find these great interviews like the one we just had with Jackie. So have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.